Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for November 25th of 2018. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHeads.com. This week's edition of the podcast is going to talk about the team that is first place in the NHL. Buffalo! I know! <laughs> I mean, it, it's not going to last, I don't think. We'll talk about that, but it's pretty... Uh, Pretty impressive to bank the points that they have. Uh, they're going in the right direction finally. Uh, even if they aren't a true first place president's trophy team, they're super interesting. Uh, so we'll, we're going to start there. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Pittsburgh and maybe some potential trades that they may look at or have looked at and got declined, as well as a little... A little more on Tanner Pearson, who's done a really nice job since since the trade, and all sorts of other stuff. So we'll we'll start in my neck of the woods, and the Buffalo Sabers after after their victory, uh, I believe it's eight or nine straight. I think it's nine straight. Yeah, what's going on in Buffalo? Like the Bills uh, are not terrible, and Buffalo is uh, that looks like Buffalo are that team this year that are going to be. Better than expected, whether that lasts the entire year, but um, it's a bit of a change in the sporting landscape at home, buddy. Yeah, well, the Bills still suck. I'm Actually, they're on my TV screen right now. I don't know why. I have the Red Zone channel on. I, I try to avoid them. <laughs> why, are, why are they on here? I, they're winning God damn it. against Doug Marone, who I hate, so I guess I suppose that's uh, I like that. But it's another year where they string together some victories and ruin their draft position for meaningless wins. So I guess that's a a true Bills thing. So Oh, that's all right then. So that hasn't changed. But Buffalo look uh, sorry, Buffalo. The Sabres look good. Yeah, they're um they're not among the best in the league. If you look at possession and expected goals and that kind of stuff. But they are getting hot goaltending, and due to that, they are staying in games a little longer than maybe they should, and they're taking advantage, and they're striking while the iron's hot. They've had some quite a number of comeback wins lately. Uh, a lot of people listening to the podcast will reference the one last Monday against Pittsburgh, where they were down 4-1 and, and came roaring back. Does that... Was it Calgary two years ago that had a stack, or was it Anaheim? I can't remember. There was a West Coast team that was doing what Buffalo was doing, where they were, they had the almost a record amount of comeback wins in the third period for the entire year, and got to the playoffs and got got spanked. So you and I just before the podcast it were might saying have been we, it was yeah, it was it was definitely a West Coast team, but so they're going to be good enough, I think, to like. You thought they might be, you know, eight, nine, or ten in the in the conference, so they were borderline making in that division. Yeah. for maybe a and, um, spot, but they're certainly, yeah. um, definitely pushing. Like, they're on a, a great hot streak right now. Like you know, nine games straight. You've got to bank the points while you can bank them. It's much easier to coast to the playoffs and make it than it is to try and catch up at the end. So they're in a prime spot to overachieve ridiculously well this year. Now last um, year. St. Louis and the same date or close to was in first place in the NHL and they missed the playoffs. But I do want to be done. I do want to differentiate between the two. One team has Jake Allen, one team does not. <laughs> and one team also traded away Paul Stasny at the deadline, not saying that that was a wrong move if you knew you weren't going to resign him, but the Sabres are not going to be trading away a very important center. At the trade deadline, if anything, they might add. Well, they so, got rid of that really important center in the offseason. To the Blues. Because that's the funny part about that reference, yeah. So, I mean, sure, the Sabres could slide back down because they're in a really top-heavy, tough division. they got probably a lot of tough games there. But they're doing what, um, remember... Mike Sullivan, the resilient Penguins kind of deal. They would go down and then claw their way back each game. Well, they seem to be getting 
everything seems to be clicking at the moment. And when you're in a, a nice little hot streak like they are, this generally tends to happen. You know, you get good goaltending, so your PDA goes up, your shooting percentage ends up being high because players are getting uh, shots from high danger positions. Well, um, Jeff's, and Jeff Skinner depth, as well will raise that. Absolutely. And, and your uh, depth players tend to play above their weight. So every, you know, how's the saying go? Uh, the water makes every boat rise or something like that. So that good feeling across the roster is helping everybody contribute. Um, it does help that almost every skater on that team can keep up with everybody else. So their shift to skill and their shift to speed um, has certainly helped their skill, particularly their top six, um, explode and produce the way you want to see them. Yeah, and Eichel finally having some some help with uh, Skinner in the lineup, whether it's together or away, that folk teams have to pick. Um, yeah, even if they're uh, if they are away, if they're together, even better because uh, Eichel's a tremendous passer and Skinner's doing great. Uh, Almost too good, making things a little difficult for Buffalo coming up here because yeah, they're just they're just going to have to pay him. I I I can't see a scenario where it would be wise to yeah, play the string out on this year and not pay. Him. This is such a classic contract year. Not saying the player is trying yep. harder than other years, but contract year having a great year and um, Skinner's a ten point two percent career shooter. And What's he's upwards year? of twenty two percent right now. Oh, good God! They are going to overpay if they keep him. Well, he's just rumblings like are eight and a half, nine is what he wants. How old is he again? He's twenty six. So I mean, and you get eight years of that. It's thirty four at nine. Cap's going to keep going up. I just, yeah, I know. Yeah, the the shooting percentage thing, though. I mean, you got to yeah. be able to sit down and say, "Hey, you're over double your career shooting percentage." Um, but does he make the argument I'm playing with Jack Eichel, not Jordan Stall? I, I, no, would, I would come this? back with that argument, yes, but I don't think it's so. To me, seven and a half feels right for the number for him. Yeah, but if he keeps going like this, you're right. He's going to push nine, and then that skews all their scales out for trying to fit the fringe in that you need to be, you know, good enough to get everybody moving forward. So that's a tough one. Like you automatically just think. You've got to re-sign him, but then there is a limit where you have to go, well, that's asking too much. And somebody will pay it as well. That's the problem. Like, they're not just competing against themselves here. Somebody else is going to come in and go, we'll pay you $9 million to shoot 22% with a center that's not as good as Jack Eichel. No worries. Jeez. Um, I suppose after I just got done saying the Sabres would probably be adding – what if he he's stern about nine mil and they're like, yeah, I, I, we can't do that, and they end up moving him. You might have to because I mean it'd be great for the fans of Buffalo if they make the playoffs, right? But if they slump down into a bitch fight with about six teams to make the playoffs, and you're going to have teams like uh, Pittsburgh who. Uh, maybe fighting down there. If you were the general manager, would you trust your young team with a goalie that hasn't been in this position before, like pulling a team to the playoffs against a team that has all those veterans on the Penguins, even though their goaltending is shocking at the moment? Who would you back to drag their team over that playoff line? Do you trade Skinner? to somebody to make sure you get assets back and not have that complicated contract at the end of the year. But I hadn't thought they'd, they'd think of getting rid of him. But if they if they have a seven or eight game losing streak, which is possible with a team of this age, that might make up their mind for them. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think uh, we'll learn more in the next month or so about the Skinner situation. Um, and, of course, the player leaking eight and a half, nine mil is on the high end. Maybe Buffalo comes back at six and a half, seven, and, and you find your way to a more reasonable number there. But Jeff Skinner has been a great goal scorer, and the the argument is legitimate that perhaps his centers haven't always been that great. 
no, Stall has a lot of great qualities about him, but being a setup man for a, an outright sniper is, is not one of the things that is, is high on his skill set list. So Jack Eichel is certainly that kind of player, and he does make players around him better. If you can trust that you're going to play him 80% with, with Eichel and he's going to shoot 17% the rest of the time there, and he's going to score you 40 for the next six years, it's kind of hard to go against like, you know, eight and a half, eight. You'd be more comfortable with seven and a half, like you said, but nine does feel too rich. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see uh, what happens there. Um, you know, and they're doing this with, I don't think middle stats quite gotten the traction that some thought he would this year. He's just been so-so. I think everyone wanted it if you're a Buffalo fan. They were wanting him to come out and... and uh, the flashes of brilliance he showed last year, I, I think they wanted to see that this year at the NHL level, and that's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. The, the fans obviously aren't going to give up on him because this year's been a bit sluggish. You can see what's going to, what you hope can come out of him, and if he develops, then you know the centre depth there is exactly what they need. Yeah, and I foresee, you know, improvement there. Twenty years old, I believe. Something like yeah. that. So, um, what the heck else was I gonna say about the Sabers? Uh, anything about Rasmus? Which one? Well, the good one. Yeah, they need to. Um, they need to clone him. That and play the actual one they have. Because <laughs> he was playing third pairing for a bit there. Yeah. He just He's needs to, to be on the. Feet. He just needs to be on the top pairing. He needs to lead that defense core in ice time, and he needs. And they need to live with the same concept that we'll talk about later about Latang. You just gotta. You gotta live with the mistakes that look like shit because everything else is awesome. Yeah, and it's it must drive Buffalo fans nuts after having a, a defensive six that has lacked a game changer. You know, since probably Brian Campbell, really. You want a lottery, um, act like it. Yeah, correct. So you just play him just because he's a, a defense. Like, think about it. You, you get Sid, Ovechkin, uh, McDavid, all those kinds of guys that were number one draft picks. And you go, they're going to make mistakes. Just because all three of those are forwards, they often don't end up directly causing you a goal. But defenseman mistakes do. This is a team that's not expecting to make the playoffs. And this is always the risk with young defenders. They get sheltered more than they should because the team suddenly goes, oh, we can't afford to give up a goal a game because our elite young defenseman just makes a mistake because he's misread the speed of the league. Uh, and Phil Housley is an ex-puck-moving defenseman. He should know better. they got to stop treating Ristolainen like he's good. Yeah, but it's, you know, team we follow, it's like Jack Johnson. They've got to stop treating him like he's competent defensive. I don't think they want to admit the mistake with the decision. So they just keep throwing them out there hoping that he changes. I mean, it's quite clear with the sample size. That's not going to happen. And he, he had some real trade value at, earlier that I think they could have struck on. <laughs> well, that's hear, the you hear those, as well. You hear those Taylor Hall rumors and Ristolainen. Um, oh my god, imagine Chiarelli with that. I think he did better with Larson, <laughs> if I'm being that's honest. My, no, that's that's my point. Like, he cops enough flack for the Larson trade. Imagine what he would have copped for the Ristolainen trade. Because you're right, he did have value. It's quite clear around the league now, people have seen that outside of the, uh, outside of the Buffalo bubble, that it's just not there. Sorry, even in the bubble gonna... here, people that were oh, no. holding out hope it. for a while. Yeah. Um, I never thought he was like the worst defenseman in the league, but I also did not think that he was going to live up to... The, the hope and expectation, yeah. Yeah, that he would be below average that could point on a power play, but now that you got Dolan, why would you put him out there? Because you should be maybe. focusing on four forward, one defense power plays. Anyways. Oh yes, yeah. and obviously, and they've got. They've I, got I don't think I'm being forward. absurd when I say Dolan should be that guy. 
you're not really going out on a limb there, and you're not going to break it by saying that either. So there are some things I think Buffalo could do without compromising their future. And are you prepared to do that this year, though? Like, uh, yeah, because my ideas aren't going to change anything. Oh, okay. So they can still no keep going. No shifting of assets at all. Yeah. All right. So let's they do have it. two players in Rochester doing great. Um, you have Lawrence Pilot, who has like 22 points in less than 22 games as a defenseman down in, in Rochester. Oh, shit. There you go. He just got called up, and they didn't dress him the first game. Well, so, that's um, But they did call him up. And Victor Olofsson is uh, over a point per game, or, or close to a point per game as a young guy, um, as a winger. And he won AHL Player of the Month or AHL Rookie of the Month for October. Is that why? I reckon that's why I've heard that name, because I'm like, I've not heard of the first guy's name. I'm like, okay, you're just making this guy up. Yeah, right. I've heard, but, I've heard of Olison. But something that was a thing for Pittsburgh, like this is the, hey, who's who is this Connor Sherry? Who is this Brian Rust? Like, that's are you going to say his of, name? You, I didn't think we were going to mention his name, but I have a feeling. No, we will. but Jason Botterill is the GM of the Sabers, and he was the GM of the Baby Penguins, and the the Amherst are in first place for the first time in forever this year. And Pittsburgh's works very well as well, yeah. And he's building the same kind conceptual approach to, hey, let's get young guys. Uh, he, he, he's pretty good about acquiring those college free agents. Um, if we need to call somebody up, let's have some options available. I mean, it's tougher with Pittsburgh. He, even if Bottero was still in Pittsburgh, it would be um, tougher to keep that going just because of how often they trade away the draft picks for the now. It makes it tougher to keep that pipeline open. But, yeah. I mean, Garrett Wilson is one of the call-ups right now for, for the Penguins. So, I mean, that pipeline is not where it used to be. And the Sabres are in a different situation. They're not, they haven't been a cup contender. They haven't been trading away. They've been hoarding picks. And they're in a good situation to where I think they can call guys like that up. And if I were them, I'd want to know what they look like in the NHL now to kind of get an idea of what you want to do at the trade deadline about this season. Yeah, I think that's I think that's wise. And the bonus for them is, like you said earlier, they've banked points, so they can they can take a couple of a looks at a couple of players. I hate the whole two or three game. Look at a guy, though. How do you get any idea of what they're really like? But it's the way it works in this league. It's how it happens. Um, and it is a good way to get an assessment and go, in those two or three games, does he play the way we want to play? Does he fit into that at this level? And can we see him improving enough that he sticks? If not, we might be able to add him in to get something else down the track. Well, how about a better question? Is he better than any of the six defensemen that we tried yes, out there now? That's, and if the answer yes, is yes, hey, hey, what do you know? You Done. can then trade away that NHL asset, and you've got a, a probably a cheaper replacement in there as well, and you've filled a hole elsewhere in the roster. Because they got um, to go now. They've already – Jack Eichel already makes bank. Skinner's going to make bank, assuming he stays. Um, Reinhardt's a really interesting one. That'll be um, a tricky – conversation to have i know he just um signed a shorter term deal but that's uh, the show me deal and then you got well darlene's the key to this if they can if they can go now while he's still on his rookie contract i mean you have a look at, at how pittsburgh got their first cup the team wasn't that great but their superstars were cheap as chips at the time they hadn't signed their their extensions had they, I don't think, or at least one of them hadn't. So Darlin's the key to that, is that you use the fact that he's really cheap to... So maybe you can sign Jeff Skinner because you've got Darlin so cheap, because he's going to outperform his rookie contract. Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> you really hope that the number one overall picks outperform their rookie contracts. Doesn't always happen, though. It doesn't. That's the thing. 
uh, Yakupov coming to mind for that. Yeah, that part of it. Nugent Hopkins. Uh nah, he's still he's fine. He he's not no, quite I, what I, they wanted. I but. don't think he outperformed his rookie contract. He's fine. They're going to get great value out of him through the entirety of his career. But in regards to um, getting ridiculously great value out of that money, so you can you know overspend elsewhere. Oilers never had that luxury with that. The Sabres are going to get that with Darlene unless he gets injured. So fingers crossed it doesn't happen. But they're going to get so much more value out of him, obviously, if they give him the freaking minutes for the three-point whatever it is that the contract's going to be, Then, so you can move use that money elsewhere. And maybe it goes into this the overpay of Skinner. Yeah. And they have – I still think they got multiple first-round picks coming their way. So. Yeah, they you the more you're talking me more into them having a crack this year than I thought we would at the start of the podcast. I really thought they should probably just play the year out as things are, and unless somebody offers them something stupid, they're approaching an average, being average, and they do have legitimate dead weight in the form of Bogosian, and I would argue Ristolainen, Nate Bayou's not terrific. I mean, their back end still sucks. It just has one Which, really awesome guy on it. Yeah. And you kind of think how scary their forwards would be if they weren't relying on one guy being able to execute zone exits on his own or with an elite first pass, those sorts of things. So yeah, their forward they, depth is, is average. Yeah. Like, that's not so the if problem. They can, if they can find a, a couple more um, average and we're not asking for much here. We want to go from below average to average. So we're not looking for good or elite here. I mean, if you can get those, you, you grab them. But if you can just get your defensive corpse around Darlin up to average, it just makes the job so much easier for the forwards to leave the zone that half a second earlier to get that step with the speed that they've got and start creating you know, odd man rushes the other way. Scoring off the rush is how it's done in the NHL. That's where the, the, the highest percentage of, of goals are scored. Um if you can create rush chances, that's what you want to do. And they've been slow playing Tage Thompson, who they got in Ryan O'Reilly deal. And I think he's been scoring a few goals lately. One of them was um, against Pittsburgh. Had a nice shootout goal to keep the shootout going against Montreal. Uh, if he missed, they would have uh, would have broken their winning streak. But he made it, and then uh, they got through. So. Away they went. All right. Um, so... First place in the East. Now we have clo- not not last anymore. It, thankfully, <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh, who I think strung together two two good games. I thought Dallas was a, a one of those. They they did what they needed to do. It might not have been an impressive win, just because I think Dallas has like four or five like regular players out. Can only beat who they put on the ice. Yeah, and they yeah. did five to one. <laughs> yeah. So no, no complaints. Not holding that against uh, Pittsburgh. I mean, it deserves context, though. Oh, absolutely, it does. Yeah. And I thought well, the Columbus the... win last night was better. Because for me, though, against that's that's the team. problem with the that's the problem with the Boston loss. Boston had just as many high quality players out as Dallas did, and they still couldn't pull the win out. I suppose that's what annoys me about that Boston loss. Yeah, the Boston one wasn't good because you're you're talking about the Bergeron Chara connection that shuts down a lot of people, and yeah. neither of them were there, and it's a little bit frustrating that they couldn't get anything going. And I still I still believe strongly that they have a even though some of the depth regression will I think show up. You it, hope it. It's still so top-heavy. Like, even the Columbus game, it was all... Well, for being honest, it's been all Sid lately. Well, Gino and, and, and Phil kind of do, like, get a point a game at the moment. Yes. But it seems to be Sid driving, it feels like, driving, like, 80% of all chances. It's and, been and, amazing. Yeah, and, and Phil and Gino just sort of create one or two chances for the game. They happen to be successful on those chances, and then it feels like they go, "Well, we're done." They just shut up shop and 
cruise up and down the ice. That's not what happens. But in regards to volume of chances, that's sort of the way the numbers tend to play out at the moment. It, it's just Sid doing what Sid does and Gensel, you know, quite cleverly being in the right spot because he's got a good hockey brain. And, and whoever's on the other side just sort of comes along for the ride. Yeah. I mean, Sid, coming back from injury, he's, he's been tremendous. And they need it. They they so desperately need that right now. Because goaltending had been spotty, I'll give credit. Uh, Smith and, and even Jerry, at least that's how the Boston broadcast was pronouncing well, his name. I don't know whether it's Jerry or Jari, but that goal that he gave up, he only gave up one goal. Team was struggling to generate offense, and you go, that's the kind of goal that you have to have. Saw it all the way. I know it did put him at the end, but NHL caliber goal, he shouldn't be letting a, a point oh, shot in. You know what? Is that the one people are trying to beat up Sprung about because he, he went to the other guy and it got dropped back? And an unscreened yeah. shot from, like, the blue line went in low glove? Yeah. <laughs> get get, yeah. get out of here. That's, and then, but that's then, Jerry. <laughs> and you, you, but then you loop it around the other way. The second goal that was scored on to Smith, um, that he should have had the one that went through Jack Johnson's leg. That's not on Jack. The Smith should have had that. I know that. I shit on that guy. That's a lot. on Sid. No, that that's was on totally Sid from on the pass, low to high. Yeah, and Sid, and that Sid gave him just one of those. Here, I don't, I don't want it anymore. <laughs> I'm about to lose it, and. The other team read it, and the puck wasn't hard. It didn't go up hard enough. It didn't give Johnson time. He was in a no-win situation, and the other team made a play. Now, I would also say that uh, DeSmith, horrible to give that yeah. up as well. No, but, no, that's, hey, that's my point. It's like, I don't need excuses can't... to criticize that player, no. and but at the same time, I'm also not looking to be unfair to him, and that's on Sid. As, as much as Sid was has been awesome, he, um... But that's it's, it's the Latang thing. Sid's awesomeness totally outweighs the few times you get errors like that. Oh, and once I, again, I don't though, think that's fair to Sid to even. No, no, no but that. Sid's error is also what was it up the other end of the ice? The amount of people, like I saw a, a tweet saying you can't blame that one on Sid, and it's like well, the whole reason the puck ended up in the other end of the ice was the fact that Sid yeah, did what he, he did. He ate it or cycled it. He he pushed yeah. it up slow. Yeah. To a fast D man. This yeah, Atkinson outworked Johnson on that one, and people are probably like, "Well, well, Jack's big. How did he get outworked by Atkinson?" And flat-footed. Well, when one guy's flat-footed and the other one's pretty quick skater, I mean, it's physics at that point. Yeah. yeah. So, see, and, and we can, we, we, yeah, we, we can be fair. And you loop it back around to the, where this all started. That was a safe that Smith had to have. Yeah, so really you know, they could have come. They could have come away with six points out of three games on the weekend, like across those three games in four nights, and they yeah. came out with five. And and they can't because of the 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 breakdown they had. They kind of can't afford to give up points that they've got a good chance of. If you're down three nil at the start of a game, you're trying to win a point. But if you're in a one nil game at that late in the game, you you need to you need to make sure that you get two. So when you get to overtime, you don't just throw a pass up the middle, turn the puck over when you've got two forwards the gassed and throw away the extra that point. Was, and that's was what that the Dumoulin play? Yeah, it was just... It, he's had a couple of brain farts lately, and I'm okay yeah, with that. I mean... Because he's loud. human, and you're going to go through it. But it's just it's just been funny that his have been sort of glaring and have been costly. But you just go, oh, well, it, it's a point that the team really couldn't afford to give up. But you just have to move on. Um, so more positive, Tanner Pearson being pretty pretty solid. Good. I thought good. you were going to say Hornquist is injured. No, no. <laughs> Sorry, you know that I'm not a Hornquist fan. That's why I was being a smart. Man. Yeah, but I'm not going to root for concussions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. It's a concussion. I thought it was a shoulder. I take that back. Apologies, everybody. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't do the injury thing. Um, nor do I think they're better without him. I think they could be better if they were replacing something else, but that's a different conversation. 
And Pearson's the key to that replacing. Well, if you were going to go that route, he certainly would be one of the variables at play. Um, I I think Pearson's a much better fit for those two guys on that line. I think you're you're seeing somebody that can shoot to score, where Haglund's goals were always net front kind of, I don't want to say broken plays, but if you hit Haglund in space and he had a good angle, it would almost be lucky if he put it in. I mean, how many breakaways did he? And that was, that was, it was, I, I know. It's like I Michael Grabner in that regard. Yeah. And that was one of the things that I remember reading all the time from the Rangers fans was he's such a frustrating player. Gets into good spots, does good thing, just can't finish. And the player that he, that reminds me of in Pittsburgh's context is Pascal Dupuy. You do so many things right, but you yeah, just don't play at times. Yeah, but he had a shot. Dupuy yeah, shoot. I love that picture some kid drew or somebody drew with with him with no hands, but his hands were not <laughs> bad. I don't No, think. no. Well, you look at the in the context of who he got to play with, the amount of chances that he did flub, and Hagelin's a little bit like that with Gino and Kessel, is that you get there and go, how, how do you not get that just at, on the net? There are so many times he just missed the net altogether, so you can't even have a rebound and stuff like that. So, you know, Hagelin being gone, replaced by somebody who quite clearly is enjoying not being in L.A., um, and it looks as though he can carry the puck and make plays at the blue line to allow Kessel and Gino to get into and, scoring and position. And pass the puck better. Yeah, he's good. He had, that, he he's, had that one assist earlier in the week that really ripped it across the net net front to the back door to Phil, um, which was pretty much a tap-in. That wasn't and, the Buffalo. Um, that wasn't safe, was it? No, no, this one went in. Oh, uh, it was uh, Phil going hard to the right post, Pearson coming wide, just rifled it across right on the tape area. And uh, all he had to do was redirect it. And I I, I just think he's uh, more cerebral, more possession-oriented, uh, not station-to-station station like a Haglin, chip-and-chase, or you know what I mean? Oh, I think he controls the puck. He doesn't really give it away. Stylistically, I like watching him play more. That helps. And, you know, he's not like an all-world winger, but uh, it was another one of those trades, just like the original Haglin one where you got Perron. He's kind of, eh, not, not, not really fitting anymore. And you trade him for someone totally different. Haglin at the time was totally different than Perron. <laughs> mm. I'd be curious mm. what the miles per hour and skating differences with that trade. Well, uh, it's the reverse going from of that Perron trade to Hag- as well. Yeah, not quite though, because Pearson can skate a lot better than uh, Perron. Yeah, but, true. But but a different player and um, one that I think is a better fit for the team. So I have nothing but positive things to say about that trade they they bought low on shooting percentage and the fact la had been struggling they saw a past sample where he did do well with talented players and decided to you know get it to work and it did so um you know maybe the scoring and it probably won't always be three goals in four games obviously but I do think he does some other things um, passing-wise that are going to help even when he's not putting the puck in the net. Yeah, I. you hope that uh, when he's not scoring, he's at least setting up his line mates for them to score. Might not be primary assists, which is usually the main driver, but as long as he's, he's accumulating points while he's on the ice, it at least means that the team's scoring. So I suppose for me that's the... The important thing because if Hallquist isn't scoring goals, it just feels like nothing else really happens on the ice. I get so frustrated watching him play, and I'm curious to see what they do with the power play whether they just plug and play 
Oh, um, be back. That I mean, that's part of the contract. If you're not going to put him there, then why were you paying? No, no. What I mean is, are they just going to plug and play Pearson while he's out? Because does he ha- does he not have to miss mandatory games, or is he just going to play the next game? Like, I, I'm never. I can. I never know in regards to the concussion stuff. But are they going to dump Pearson in his spot and play? No, the exact they, I think Gensel will be there. It should be Gensel who plays that screen role completely differently. And I think a hell of a lot better. I'd love to see that power play absolutely take off because of the tips that Gensel will provide. Um, and the screens that aren't on top of the goalie, they're two or three feet further up the ice. And it allows some flexibility to rotate around and rebound rather than just hack away. So if that clicks and Hornquist becomes, it'll go straight back in once he comes back. But it lobs the argument out there that the power play is not going to die if he's not out there. And, no, and I mean, it, look at the four guys out there. I know. It, it, you'd have to really be stretching to say that Hornquist is driving the success on with that hey, personnel. I mean, you read it out there. I'm telling you, that is a belief that is out there. Yeah, um, he does that. He does that role really well. Not uh, that's not quite my argument. I just I, think, I, th- I think they're being the fifth wheel on that power play. There are different stylistic things you can do, which you just alluded to, and it's still going to hum along. Yeah. So, uh, but Pearson being another option that uh, I can't speak to. Um, if he was doing much power play out in L.A., I've said it before, I didn't really care to watch the Los Angeles Kings because they uh, it's a good reason were, for that. Or were, were and are a horrible watch. Um, I, I just I can't waste time in my life with that nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Life is makes, too busy. It makes no, makes no sense to, to watch hockey if you're not going to enjoy it. And the Kings are not haven't been an enjoyable product even when they were good. No, that's that is very true. It wasn't fun to watch. That Kings Ranger Stanley Cup final, I I don't think I watched much of it. I didn't. I, at the time of the the time of the day doesn't work for me. So it's like, why am I going to go out of my way? So well, I'd probably watch the twelve minute. Time highlights. of the day wasn't an issue for me. The only <laughs> intrigue was could Henrik hold the fort down and. You know, I wasn't too interested in finding out. <laughs> no, I can understand that. I have an anti-ranger uh, bias, so it makes it even even though you do love watching Hank, it was like, nah, I can't, I can't do this. No. So, so one, yeah, one thing I do want to ask is, if Hornquist misses any length of time, should they do the unthinkable and separate Gino and Phil, and move sprung up next to Gino? just so that the depth fills out a little further down the lineup until Hornquist comes back and then just go back to playing Sprong in unaccessible minutes. Uh, what what would I do or what do I predict is going to happen? I think we both know what they're going to do. Would you do that? I might put him with Sid, to be honest. If Sid and Gensel are going to do their thing and... Who's who was up there? Um, it doesn't Simone, matter. It was Simone. Simone. It was Simone in the last game. Yeah, let's put Simone with Broussard and Kessel. That ain't so bad. No. And um, I just, just it just frustrates me watching what this kid doesn't get a chance to do. Well, it's tough because you're dealing with ultra small samples. And it's a little bit frustrating that you don't know what you have because he's played 380 minutes in his career, which started in 2015-16 for 40-something games. It's The whole it's, process has been fucked from the beginning. Yeah. And it hasn't helped that I think the general manager was trying to be too clever by half of it as well. But the coaching staff, for some unknown reason, have issues with his errors, but not with other players' errors. And I think that's what drives me nuts. I'm, I'm, I'm. I gave him a half a year taste of the NHL, and then he had to go back to riding the bus on in juniors for two years. 
Yeah, that's a good feel. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a tough adjustment. Anyway, sorry. No, no. It's, suppose you're going to factor some of these human things in. That would be really, really tough Private. on your head at a, at a 19-year-old. Flights and per diems to fucking awful bus rides in Quebec. Yeah. Like, that's that's tough for anybody. doesn't matter how lucky you've, you know you are. You're still going to get there and go, oh, good God. Um, I just, you get there and go, Zach Aston Reese has done some good things, but he's done nothing to make me think that he's any better than Sprong. Same with Dominic Simone. They're probably the two guys he's competing for minutes, realistically, when you think about it. Simone's been, Hall, been good, though. I, I have no complaints he, keeping him I, in. I don't have complaints about keeping him in, but he's still made the same types of errors that Sprong has. And Sprong doesn't have a center that can set him. You can, it's really funny. I've, I've got I mean, a it's quality of teammate. It's it, it, totally it's a quality of teammate. Though. Yeah. But you watch, you watch Sprong, he gets out there. If he gets anywhere near a shooting lane, he just shoots it. Doesn't matter how bad the lane is. He just tries to get a shot on it. And you can see it's his shot too. So much faster than half the guys on the team. It's so much heavier than half the guys on the team because almost every rebound bounces. And you just sit there and go, how about he get a chance to get himself into some scoring chances, uh, scoring places, and, and, you know, with Sid or Gino giving him the puck. Rossard. I'm a little disappointed in what Rossard's been providing lately. He just looks loose, looks lazy with some of his passing options. I'm like, is this really Broussard? This wasn't the player I remember in Columbus and in New York. Like, I'm not sure what's going on there. Like, is he disinterested or is he still like injured? His quality of teammates been great. No, I know that, but I still reckon you should be able to hit some of these passes that he's missing. Or maybe it is the guys are just not skating where they're expected to be. I'm not sure. But it wouldn't hurt to put he, strong. He's, he's missed a lot of time. He has. He absolutely already has. So he's he's working back. I think it's fair to say. Um, th- there's a little bit of that, you know. And he's also not Sid, who just jumps straight back in and is brilliant. Like it's a very good argument. <laughs> yes, it's kind of um, different standard kind of deal. Not human. But touch just a touch. Here, here's what I'll say about last night's game. Sprung. In the minutes that he got, the injuries that there were, he still really didn't get a look with anybody. No, I... He, he was with... Said, Riley, one shift I looked up, he was with Riley Sheehan, and I'll get to that in a minute. Uh-huh. Um, Garrett Wilson, Yuso Rikola, and... Would have been Mata, I'd say. No. It might have been Jack Johnson, because the, it was hilarious. just on and off. Um, yeah. The, the pairings that wasn't the pairing but like the the changes just the way it yeah. was yeah, yeah yeah and i'm just like yeah well you know what what kind of expectations do you want here and i just think it's funny because sprung set Sheehan up twice and if he scores on either of them or both of them what's the narrative coming out of that game sprung finally gets it I uh, can't take him out of the lineup with two two primary assists. Uh, but they didn't go in because Sheehan sucks at scoring goals. We we knew that coming from Detroit. And it doesn't change anything that Sprung did to set him up, but the goals didn't go in. It just nothing changed with the player on making the play. It's just the other guy didn't do anything with it. So, and so that changes the perception. That. So they have to see that. Like, when we're talking about this perception thing, it's more to do with the public perception of what's going on. Surely the coaching staff are seeing that or are being told that that's what's going on. Surely they can't be that blind to that happening. So the question is, if you see that, why are they not going, well, maybe we put in with a centre that's more likely to put that in? That's the bit that's got me absolutely baffled. And what's frustrating about this is that with all the diversity in the hockey media at the moment and with all the different voices that we get, the one thing that has not changed and probably will not change are the scrums, uh, the press conferences, and the people that are asking those questions and the types of questions that they're asking. I really would have thought by now, um, and particularly in Toronto, we'd get more questions with 
people saying, okay, so this force, this person's relative course is X. This person's is Y. Why are the minutes distributed the way they are? Why is this person not getting a chance? Why? Although it'd be hard with Babcock, but a lot of the people that are all over those kinds of things and those types of style of questions, they're not getting asked to the people that should be answering them. And Pittsburgh's a prime example. There is nobody in that Pittsburgh media scrum that would ask anything like that. And I think that's what pisses me off the most at the moment. Somebody asked him about Sprung last week. Um, and Sullivan fired back. Well, he's played in double-digit games, so, you know, he was pretty dismissive, uh, pretty much suggesting Sprung kind of had point. not earned you... it, but there was no follow-up. Oh. Oh, well, yeah. and he's playing with garbage. 42-year-old oh. Matt Cullen, who sucks, and oh. Riley Sheehan, who sucks this year. It's just, um, it's, we, we talk about it because Sprong is the individual in question. I think both of us come from more of a conceptual Yeah, I think that's what frustrates me the most. Yeah, It's is, not the first time they've had a young talent that hasn't been given the opportunity because everyone in this particular franchise has to earn their chance. And it's like, that's garbage. Well, it's not garbage in the sense you got to earn your time. It's garbage that the rules don't apply to everybody. Yeah. Everybody should have to earn their time. Well, y yes. Well, okay, so you've got to earn your time, but should you not be put in a position that preseason games aren't the only chance you get to earn your time? I would think somebody... Because, you know, I had is... a conversation with... You Go ahead. I was just going to say, had a conversation with Bob Grove because a couple of questions were up. You got to the tail end of it. I didn't about... see it the next day. And I, no, the no, mentions no. were filled with like tons I'm of sure responses. They, I'm sure they were. And I had no idea that I'm like, was I part of a conversation? And yeah. No, I hadn't been. But um... No, 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 no. You were just, you were tagged in it. And you sit there with it and Grove comes up with the same concept. Oh, he had his chance. In, he had his chance in what was it, five or six preseason games, and and didn't blow them away. So that's it. He gets benched to the fourth line. They put him there because they don't want to play him down at Wilkesbury Scrap. And it's like, wouldn't you be better off playing him twenty-two minutes a game down there and having him fire, you know, firing shots left, right, and center? And then you go right. We'll bring him up and go for it. This six minutes a game garbage with players that can't get in the puck where he needs to be because he's getting to the spots. And I do want to say this, his points per 60 is at like 1.63. So even with those shitty line mates, his production, given his ice time and quality of teammate, he's actually doing a little bit with it, even though it doesn't seem like a lot, because a lot he's of people still shape their perceptions on per game stats. And so that's the problem. Or counting we... stats as opposed to... You know, I like to use the rate stats because it takes the it doesn't hold coaching decisions against the player. And, and that's and that's when we, I loop back around to the Pittsburgh media scrums. Asked about Sprong, answer was he's played an X amount of games. The next question follow up is yeah, you're only giving him six minutes a night. So what how does he get a chance to prove his minutes? That's where I get annoyed with the prove your you know, you've got to earn your minutes. It's like, well, give the player a chance. Like, you've got the first quarter of the year. Nobody knows where they're going to be after the first quarter of the year. Play the guy up the lineup. See what he can do. If you get to the quarter pole and he's not giving you what you need because you've played him 20 games at 15 minutes a night, then you go, well, okay, we're going to have to shift a gear because it's not like what they've done thus far has been working. They're top-heavy, and you got a guy that Correct. scored 30-something goals in the AHL. He was a point-per-game player at his, um, gosh, I wrote about it Saturday, 21-year-old um, <laughs> season or 22-year-old season. Um, guess who else did that? William Nylander, and the point of that wasn't to say Sprung is as good as William Nylander. My point was these are numbers that point to somebody who can chip in offensively at the NHL level. And then I go and look at quality of teammate for William Nylander, and he's got 1,300 minutes with Austin fucking Matthews. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I look at uh, the Sprong thing, and it's Cullen and Sheehan, and it's just like 
well, duh. <laughs> no shit, yeah. this isn't working. And you have now shifted him into worrying about being a all-around defensive player because you're putting him with the, your classic fourth line, don't give any goal. Like, it's so stupid and maddening. <laughs> you don't you you drafted him because he was a sniper and then you pretend like you didn't draft him because he was a sniper and you want to make him something that he's not and instead of doubling down on his strengths you've ignored them and are trying to raise a part of his game that even if he does get good at it is still not going to outweigh what he's really good at I, I, it's, I find it amusing that Sullivan comes up, brings we said we up. We weren't going to do this sprung thing, but no, I know. I I did say to you, I bet you any money we get dragged into the Penguins' gear. I knew we were going to go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> I think the other thing is that Sullivan gets credit for being great with the young players, right? He's only good with the players he had in Woodsbury Street. Only with the players he's developed to trust him. Correct. So you get there and go every year. There's turnover of players. And you're going to have to bring youth in with the way the salary cap works, right? How are you going to prolong the success of a team if this coach isn't going to actually be a little bit uh, forward-thinking? I hate using that term, but it's the way it is with hockey. And actually trust the youth. Not the elite-level youth that you go, well, we're terrible. We're just going to have to play them. When your team is good, this is where coaching counts, is having having the courage to go, you know what? We're going to have to see if this guy's any good. You and I both don't know if Sprong's going to be any good. No, it could be like Pouliot, where he's never really gets there. But I would say Pouliot has been a functional bottom-pairing defenseman in Vancouver for a million dollars, and it's a lot better than, yes, I am going to say it, than paying Jack Johnson three million. You replace Johnson with Pouliot, you're not going to be worse. No. And, and the I idea suppose... that some people would say that is fucking ludicrous because Jack yeah. Johnson is not good. No. and So you've added yeah. $2 million to your salary cap and you had to get rid of Connor Sherry because of it. Um, that stuff matters. Anyways. And, and like, Sherry was a guy that Sullivan had with him down in Woodsbury Scranton, trusted him enough to put him on the top line, Yet you get Sprong coming up, uh, infinitely better pedigree, yet no opportunity. Similar AHL numbers because I – listen, I don't do a lot with prospects because, one, I don't think – I – how do I put this? I don't think there's a lot of accountability with prospect stuff because you get certain people – that's a polite way of putting it. You get certain people that talk up a bunch of prospects, and none of them amount to do shit. But there's no recourse for that. There's nobody saying, well, they're prospects. You just don't know. And it's like, okay, you keep saying they're all good. And then, yeah, you hit on a few of them because you say they're all good. And What's the strike rate? And so... One, I don't put the time in, but I'll say this. A lot of times, all you got to do is look at points per game at the different levels, and you'll be in the same ballpark. And if I ever get possession stats for those lower levels, uh, I it would be even easier to do. But, you know, guys that are young 20s at the AHL level putting up a point a game – or, you know, over a point a game, a little bit older, like a Connor Sherry was putting up those numbers. Those are the guys you look at and you're like, okay, let's see how it goes. Those are the guys you promote. And yeah, you, you just, like you said, you just don't know. You need more kicks at the can. But it does, it, it's so, I have fatigue with just hearing <laughs> all of these prospects. Lucas Bankston or whatever the fuck his name was. And Teddy Booger. Ethan, Ethan Pro is going to be the second pairing. Okay. We've said many a time on the podcast, 
Swing for the stars. Connor Hall, we trade Bo Bennett, but you got to give him a chance, even though he's got one point in like a thousand junior games. By the way, if you can't score at the junior level, you suck. It's, it, you don't suck. You, you you don't have an NHL future, I should clarify. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, all relative. We're, 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 we have an NHL podcast, so it's all relative to yeah, the yeah. NHL standard. Uh, I do not want to demean junior players, but when you draft them and you're like, well, you know, he's very good defensively, it is, well, okay, did he, was he able to generate anything at that level? Because if he can't, that doesn't speak to an upper-level player, No, whether, and that's whether they're good attempt- at defense or not. And that's what you're attempting to draft every time. You're attempting to draft scorers. You know, you fill the rest of the roster. You don't – Jordan Stoll was, was the second or third overall pick of the draft, right? Turned into being one of the best third-line centers. But they didn't draft him to be a third-line center. Well, they did because they knew what they had in front of them. But, yes, I know what you're saying. You know, if he ended up being a legit first or second line center, you trade him away. If you don't draft him to be a specific third line checking center, you know, you want him to have some offensive talent, and the fact that he could score a bit—that's what made him. I, I do want to say that center. we both appreciate Jordan Stahl, and I think he's doesn't get the credit because um, quality of teammates been an issue for him in Carolina. True. I, I think his offensive ceiling has never been hit. I do not think his offensive ceiling is as high as would merit a, a second overall pick. That was always Correct. a strange pick. Yep, it was. But, but, you know, I love watching him play. <laughs> all right. Um, how much time do you have here? Uh, about two minutes. All right. Quickly. We promised yes. this in the intro and didn't do it. Ducks. Brandon Montour was on the Penguins' radar, according to Elliot Friedman. It was the 12th point of his last 31 thoughts. And I think the Ducks were like, nah, we're good. I can totally wow. understand that. I can only imagine that Olimato was the one going the other way in those talks because I, he just feels like the guy that the change for the sake of change would make sense, you know? For me, um, he feels like the Ristolainen argument we made earlier. His trade value was two years ago. Yes, that is true. But Elliot did bring up Jakob Silverberg, and I do think he would be a nice... He's a UFA. The Ducks suck. They aren't going to make the playoffs, I don't think. Randy Carlisle sucks. (laughs) He's a UFA. That's kind of the assets the Penguins would have to offer. Would be UFA type. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think uh, someone like Silverberg would be a good fit. Uh, so the problem only, being, you know, he's a right winger. Okay, I wasn't actually particularly worried about that. I think this team needs... I don't think their forward depth is as bad as it's playing out at the moment. No, they're top, but... Yeah, meaning I want them to trade for another puck-moving defenseman. Yeah, that's and tough. Mont- Mont- of course it is. Nobody wants to give up those kinds of assets. So you've got to try and steal one away from somebody that is underplaying with their minutes and they're not getting the right stuff out of them, and, you know, those sorts of things. Or, you know... To ch- is this your segue they, into yours? No, well, I want to get... I'm, no, I'm going to say Horn, Hornquist for Justin Falk. That's the... Yeah, look... Trade Hornquist for Silverberg, Hornquist for Justin Falk. Boom, podcast. Done. There we'll you go. elaborate on that in the future if it makes sense. Yeah, but the Carolina um, Hurricanes certainly aren't shy about chopping that player. And Hawkins is the kind of guy you just go bring them all with love. With term, they need scoring, and he—he he certainly he's on pace for his career high. I think I just want to get rid of him because I hate watching him play. As well, <laughs> I know. Like... I I don't either because. Like I can see that at the lo- obviously he's at a way better level, but I see people whacking away at the local rink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. Are you don't, if you can see that at home, why watch it in the NHL? I get it. Yeah. Um, All right, I literally have to go, but we do need to flesh out the the Montour thing, and at some point, maybe later down the track, the fork thing as well. Fair enough. So thank you for listening. 
uh, <laughs> iTunes reviews or other reviews, uh, Android or whatnot. Uh, Gunner Stahl, Walshy66, Hockey, um, underscore. underscore, underscore Hertz, <laughs> Facebook, HockeyBuzz.com for Penguin shit, and that should do it. So, we'll thank see you very you next much, time. everybody. Bye. Bye.